First day of summer is this coming Sunday, Father's Day. Can you believe it? We're already here, already. Goes fast, don't it? Uh, I want to thank you that's here tonight. You are the backbone of this church. Um, you may think, well, I don't feel like I'm a backbone, but you are. Those who come regular, specifically for midweek services, are the backbone of the church. And I thank you for it. I'm listening to a book that I have listened to before by John Maxwell. It's called A 360-Degree Leader. I've been listening to it again, started listening to it again today. And he's talking about those who lead that's kind of in the middle. They're not the head person, but they're somewhere in the middle. And it's that type of person that will go the extra mile, um, that person that you know you can depend on. If you was to call or need something, even at a moment's notice, you can call and you know they're going to do it. You guys that's here tonight, you are that type of person. I thank you for that. I appreciate you so much for being here and for what God is doing, what he's going to do, and also what he's done. Amen. I'm going to go to the same scripture I have been going to. On this, I will say this as you're turning there, Second Peter 3, 9. I know it's nine verses of scripture that I've read over and over on this Thursday night. So I've been doing this, but I want to get it engrafted into our mind, our spirit. And um, I will say as you're turning there next Thursday, you'll have a break from this. Um, there is a missionary that's going to be with us. I do not know his name at the moment. The e email is on my uh, phone. I will try to make sure that info is available to us Sunday. So, but these, we have a scheduled missionary who's going to be here with us next Thursday night. But um, I'm excited. I love the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's let's read this. Second Peter three nine. The Lord's not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That's going to be an incredible day. It's going to be an, a scary an exciting day. But seeing then all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for hasting into the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Account the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given to him, hath written to you. And also, as also in all of his epistles, speaking to them of these things, in which some things are hard to be understood, 
They that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures and to their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, Savior, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Lord, bless today. Help us have understanding, God, of what you want in our world and our life today, God. Lord, we love you and we praise you, God, for everything you're going to do, Lord. The wonderful, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 12, it says, looking for and hasting to the coming of the day of God. It's the only place we find that phrase, day of God, in the scripture. It is going to be his day. When that day happens, it's going to be his day. Amen. There's a book entitled, What Are the Odds? Or What the Odds Are, I'm sorry. It is a A to Z collection of odds on everything you could ever hoped or feared could happen in your life. Um, in the book, you'll find that the odds of your being injured by lightning strike on any given day are 1 in 250 million. The odds that you may be struck by lightning. Over the average lifetime, the odds that you will be struck by lightning are 1 in 9,100. 9, that is your chance of being struck in lightning sometime or another during your lifetime the odds that the average citizen of washington dc will get shot stabbed poisoned or beaten to death in a year are one and one thousand and six hundred and eighty one chance that's pretty good odds i don't know if i want to live in washington dc i'm glad the lord sent somebody else there we'll pray for them amen one in ten Americans read the Bible daily. That's kind of a sad statistic and odd. One in two eat out somewhere every single day of the week. That must be them rich people. One in twenty eat at McDonald's. <laughs> in Sweden, 40 out of every 100 persons are senior citizens. Fiji, that number is only 1 in 50. So just kind of some weird odds I want to throw out there that's in this book. I need to get that book and read it because I like that kind of fun statistics. But just kind of searching for this particular odds, I found these other ones that kind of go with it and name this book. But several years ago, Peter W. Stoner and Robert C. Newman wrote a book entitled Science Speaks. The book was based on uh, the science of probability. It set out the odds of one man in all of history being able to fulfill even on, uh, fulfill only eight of the 60 major prophecies fulfilled by the life of Jesus Christ. So I just want to see the eight. I've said some of this before, but probably not in its full. Um, I actually found it and read it. I've just kind of said it in passing, but... Um, 
But they said the probability that Jesus of Nazareth could have fulfilled even eight of the prophecies concerning him coming to the, to the manger, being born, not of the 60 major ones, but only eight of those prob uh, prophecies. The probability that he could have fulfilled even eight of those, the odds would be one in ten, uh, one in ten to the 17th power. Or, that is one in 100 million billion. Or if you want zeros, it's one in one zero 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 chance that a man could fulfill that eight prophecies, or just one of those eight prophecies, not all of them. But they said in order to help us comprehend this probability, he illustrated it by saying, suppose that we take as many silver dollars as those odds, which is uh, basically that 100 million billion or that one with 17 zeros behind it. You take that many silver dollars and you lay them across the face of Texas. I've been to Texas. Any of y'all outside of me been to Texas? Texas is big. It's really big. But if you lay them silver dollars out all over the face of Texas, they said that that would cover all the state two feet deep with silver dollars. Now you take one silver dollar and you mark it. And then you steer that whole mass up thoroughly all over the state. Then you blindfold a man and you tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up one silver dollar and say that is the right one. That is the same chances that the prophecies could get those eight prophecies right with just one man. And he not only got eight, but he got all of them. All of the prophecies about Jesus coming and being born in a manger in Nazareth. He went on to calculate the probability of one person fulfilling 48 of those prophecies. That number is 1 in 10 to the 157th power. But he done all 60. Okay? Now, I've been talking about the second coming or the day of the Lord or the day of God, I've been not been talking about his first coming. But I've been talking about his second coming. There are many, many prophecies about Jesus coming back again. And if the Bible was so accurate in his first coming to the earth as a baby, then we should be probably very aware of the fact that they're also going to be accurate in his second coming. Amen. We find at least 370 New Testament verses that refer to Jesus' second coming. There are 7,959 verses in the New Testament. And it is said that one out of every 25 verses touches on the theme, the fact that Jesus is going to come back. He is going to return for his church. And the doctrine, as we know of the fact that the second coming of Jesus is found in 23 of the 27 New Testament books. It's all throughout the New Testament that Jesus is going to return 
for his church. It is a subject that, since it's so often mentioned, the Bible, we just can't, just can't be gone unnoticed. But we've got to study it. And we've got to believe it. And that's one reason I'm talking about the end time saint. This is the fourth, um, fourth one on this. But this doctrine of the second coming of Jesus, it should cause us to live in such a way that we will live sober from this world. Yeah. And that we will try our best to live righteous in this world. Yeah. Verse 12 of the text today that I've read says that this end time saint that I'm talking about should be looking for the day of God. It should be looking for the day of God. This phrase, the day of God, only occurs in this verse in the Bible, in the King James Version. Done a little bit of looking, probably like to dig more into that, but the best thing I can say is basically saying, hey, that's going to be God's day. You need to be looking for it. Now, we've talked about the fact that if we're going to be an end-time saint, we need to have a holy conversation. We, we talked about how that's more than just our conversations, but our behavior. We basically need to uh, act like a child of God wherever we're at, and especially with other people. Last week we talked about godliness, and which is just basically that awareness, being reverent and aware that God's sovereignty controls every, or should control every aspect of our life. And that we should have such a determination in our life that we're going to honor Him in everything in our life. Yeah. From our money, from our dress, to our, uh, the way we act, the way we treat people. Every aspect that we would live godly. Because godliness, it goes beyond the way we uh, are dressed, but it goes to our thinking. And, and it's shaped by our knowledge of who God is. We need to know who God is. Amen? Amen? And if we know who He is, then surely we can see that Jesus is going to come back very, very soon. And as a child of God, a born-again believer, as a Christian, we should hopefully be aware that Jesus could come any day. Any day. We need to have such a conviction so deeply embedded inside of our lives that we would conduct our life and live every day, every day, as if this were the day that Jesus was going to come. Amen. Yeah. I have to ask ourselves this question. We need to ask ourselves this. How often do you wake up and just think, is this going to be the day that Jesus comes back? I would dare say that most of the Christians nowadays don't do that. We think about him. We pray. We read our Bibles. We endeavor to try to probably invite people to church and talk about God. But do we actually just sit, wake up thinking? And I've heard people talk about this. Lord, is this the day you're going to come back? I'm looking for you to come today. Last week, we closed with uh, these verses that speak about how we should be looking for his coming. I, I, was, I used it for godliness because of, well, basically, second, it's Titus 2, 11 through 13. says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness 
and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I use that to talk about a segue to close into a closing about how we need to be living that godly lifestyle. But that verse 13 said, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. To be honest, I'm not sure how many of us are looking for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In our text, Peter told us to look for haste unto the coming of the day of God. He said, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. In essence, what Peter is telling us is, look, knowing all this stuff, knowing that the day of the Lord's at hand, the day of God's here, we need to be looking for and hasting for it. What is Peter really meaning when he's saying this? I believe what he's really telling us is, look, you know the fact that he could come at any moment. We need to have our focus on eternity yeah. and not on this world. Right. And, and I struggle with church, and, and we had incredible church Sunday. It was great. We've had incredible church the last Tuesday. It's been great tonight. There's a great spirit of worship in this house tonight. Yeah. But to me, when I look and I think if somebody's looking for and hasting, for God to be in the house, to come back, I would think the churches would be full. I would think we would not have a trouble knocking on doors and inviting people to church, text messaging, and, and doing everything we could to get people to come. Because this word looking, what Peter, this word looking that he says, it means to watch, to anticipate. And how do we do that? In thought, hope, or fear. By implication, it means to await, to be in expectation. Look for, tarry, or wait for. Expectation. That, if you got that up there yet, put that up there. This is my, I guess my subtitle was. The end time saint. Expectation for the day of God. We, I believe the church needs a good, the end time church, Sister Janet, we need a good dose of the expectation of his coming. Amen. Amen. Corbin's sitting there, he loves preaching, thank God for it. But I know when we was in expectation of that boy coming, when Texas called or texted, what was it? Texas in the middle of the night. Something about her hurting or something. And then he must have went to sleep. It was a phone call. We was expecting him to come. But all of a sudden, all we heard was something about praying or hurting so bad. And then he went to sleep. And we couldn't get a hold of him. We couldn't get a hold of her. And we're setting an expectation of this baby coming. Do you know what we did not do? We didn't hardly go to sleep. Because we was expecting him to come. We expected that boy to show up. And we're like, where's our phone call? Why are you just leaving us hanging? And you know what? It's almost like what we got going on with the church right now. We know he's coming. 
He's coming soon, Sister Penny. But somehow or another, we've lost that expectation. Expectation means a strong belief something will happen or be the case in the future. I had a strong belief that that boy was going to be born before I had to go to work. But he wasn't. But you know what? He's still come. And he's here. And, and this is the thing. We may believe Jesus is going to come, but do we really expect it in our lifetime? Now, it's easy for us, to, and I say it all the time, I believe that Jesus is going to come back and we're going to see him with our eyes. But somewhere in my mind, I have to wonder, am I really expecting him to come any moment? Because this is what Peter's talking about with this end time saint. You've got you to have that holy conversation. You've got to live godliness. But I want you to realize that you've got to look and be hasting. He's saying expect that he could come any moment and haste. This word haste. And, and you know, Peter takes it. It's almost like he takes it up another notch. With He says not only do you need to look, but I want you to haste. Haste means to speed, study, urge on, diligently, earnestly, by implication, to wait eagerly, hasten, hurry up. And that's how we was when we was waiting on Corbin, but Texas went to sleep. Cheryl called the nurse, got him on the phone. Couldn't wait. We needed, we needed to hear something. So what did she do? She hurried it up. She'd done what she could. And, and then, and I'm, you forgive me for using personal stories here with it, but I'm trying to get us to understand. I feel like if we could get this as the end time saint in our heart, where we could be like, he could come any moment. He could come any time. And I'm looking that well, I could wake up in the morning, and, and Sister Jane, I believe it's this should be the mentality. This is what Peter's trying to tell us. He's saying, look, you, have, you need to have an expectation, an urgency in your spirit that causes you to eagerly await that he is coming. Amen. I'm, and you know what? I don't want nobody to die and go to hell. He starts off this, te this text with that the Lord's long-suffering. He doesn't want anybody to perish. But the fact is there's going to be people that perish. At some time or another, he is really going to come back. And I believe there's going to come a time that the Lord... Uh, that before his coming that we and I, I I probably find myself praying it more than I ever used to Lord please come just get us out of this and, and I, I know I got a good life I know a lot of you got good lives and we may not think like it always but I think we need to have some type of mindset inside of us that 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 gets us less focused on the world because I think this is what he's really what Peter's really trying to say we need to have such an expectation, a hasting in our spirit, that we're not focusing on this world so much, but we're focusing on the fact that eternity is coming, and it's coming sooner than we think. Because the next verse, verse 13 said, Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And as an end time saint, we should be living with such an expectation of eternity and not of what we may receive in this world. Thank goodness we have homes, we have vehicles. Sometimes we're blessed to be able to get a better vehicle or a new vehicle or, or a better home or, or have good felt, whatever it may be the case. 
But we should not be lost in this world that we forget that Jesus is really coming. And I think this end time saint, we should live in, in such a way that we're expecting the day of God to come at any moment. Because here's the thing. If I was to call any of you and say, I'm coming to your house. But I don't tell you exactly when. But I tell you a time frame. I'm going to be at your house sometime between this time and this time. You're going to have an expectation. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You're going to be... You're going to do everything you can to get ready for that visitation. And I think this is what Peter's trying to drive home. Because all of a sudden at that time, you know, you get a phone call. Hey, I'm coming. You know, it's Matthew 25. The, the bridegroom coming. Right? Whatever they were doing, it didn't matter at that moment. All that mattered. i got to make sure there's oil in this lamp. And I think this is where we're losing out so much of the church that we love church, we enjoy the worship, but we don't realize that, hey, church is more than this building. It's living in such a way that every day we're expecting Jesus to come back. And as an end-time saint, we should be living with that expectation that eternity is forever. But this world is temporal. So... I'm not going to be real long tonight. I'm probably halfway there. I hadn't been that long, have I? 15 minutes? No, I've been 25, actually. I was having fun. I'm more than halfway done. I, I don't like much more. So, I'm going to give us three things an end-time saint should be doing and looking and hasting for God's coming. And they're found in 1 John 2, 28 through 29, and 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. This is where I will go. Uh, the first part of this is 1 John 2, 28 through 29. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, this is talking about his coming, we may have confidence, everybody say confidence, and not be ashamed, everybody say not ashamed, before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So, one thing I think that we definitely need to be doing as an end time saint, looking for and hasting for in this time, is we need to learn to live confidently, confidently in these last days. We need to learn to live with confidence of where we are in our life. Because I think this is what John is saying. He said that abide in him, that when he shall appear, we have confidence and not ashamed before his coming. So we know we're living, we need to be living in such a way that we know we're looking for him that when somebody talks about him coming, it doesn't scare you for yourself. It may scare you for somebody else, for somebody else's soul, but for yourself. We're living, and I think this, this goes with the other two things that we've talked about, the, uh, uh, the holy conversation, the godliness. If we're doing that holy conversation and godliness, we will probably live in such a way that we will live confidently in these last days 
and we'll, we'll, we can, where we can boldly stand before him and feel like, okay, God, I have lived my life the best I know to live. And I don't know anything else to do. And I have confidence I'm going to be okay. And I think we should strive to live in such a way that we can live confident that I'm expecting him to come, but I'm not afraid for him to come. I'm expecting Jesus to come, but there, there's nothing in here that I feel like that's going to keep me. And let me tell you, I know it's easy to say this right here, but that's, that's really a lot of work. Because we have, to, we have to make sure we're repenting every day, make sure we have a forgiving heart every day, make sure we're striving to live that godly, holy lifestyle. The next thing is we go to the next chapter. Go from 1 John um, 2, 28 and 29. It just picks back up on the next chapter. John 3, 1 through 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The next thing, we should live confident, but we should also see ourselves as who we are. In other words, some of y'all may, may remember me preaching uh, a little while back uh, about the biggest lie I ever told, and it's a lie that we tell ourselves that we're okay. We need to live and we see ourselves as who we really are accurately. Like, don't, don't I mean, we need to see ourselves and realize, okay, there's something, something's not right, I need to fix it. Don't just keep ignoring that because that'll keep us from hasting and looking for his coming when we're, we have a little bit of something in our lives and we're not willing to confront that thing. That's what I'm talking about. And, this scripture, what it says is what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Hang on a second. Lost my spot there. That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear that we shall, what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear. Keep hitting the wrong spot here. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And let me tell you, he's going to see us as we are. So we need to see ourselves accurately of who we really are. And Sister Chastity, if we're looking for and we're hasting for that appearing, I don't think we can have that looking and hasting in our spirit unless we're honest, being honest with ourselves and saying, i got to fix it. Right? Because it's kind of like, oh, I'm coming to your house. And you look around and see, ah, he'll be okay with it. I probably would. All right? It wouldn't bother me. But we need to have that mindset inside of us. I want to be sure. Amen. I don't, you know, it's like going to the mirror and like, oh, there's just a little bit of dirt there. A little bit of salad there in my tooth. It'll be okay. 
just go on about our day. No. So we need to live confident, and we need to see ourselves as we really are. And the last one of this, and this is going to be where I'm going to end if Bethany wants to come, is 1 John 3 and 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Looking for his coming will keep us motivated to live our lives righteous. Because when we're expecting him to come, we're expecting God to come. I mean, really expecting him to come anymore. You know how many times I've heard people say, one of these days, I'll get it right. The only way to ever get it right is to come to him now. Fall on our knees. And let that know that He can come any day be a motivation for us and how we need to live our lives righteous. The hope of Jesus' coming doesn't, it should just encourage us to hang in there. It should actually change us. It should help us to keep our lives sanctified and help us If I really think, now listen, you guys know this to be true. No matter how righteous we may think we are today, if we knew that Jesus was going to come back tonight at midnight, we'd do one of two things. We wouldn't leave this building or we'd go find everybody we could and try our best to convince them. Jesus is coming tonight at 12. Right? That will change you. story to um, maybe put better light on what I'm trying to say it's a story of Prince Harry of Great Britain during the war in Afghanistan Harry and his older brother William which are the sons of Prince Charles and, and Diana, the grandsons of Queen Elizabeth um, they could one day sit on the throne of Great Britain. From the day that they were born, that is a possibility. That is destiny. And that has shaped them. Every aspect of their lives, their schooling, their friendship, their family life, their hobbies, their military service, it all has been shaped by the possibility of becoming kings and that's why Harry was in the news during the war in Afghanistan. The story said that he was pulled from the front lines of Afghanistan when it became too risky to leave him on the front line where he may have harm coming in. He was pulled because he had a destiny to fulfill. us. It should shape us. It should compel us 
to live every day of our lives in an anticipation of the day that we shall be like Him and we'll reign with Him. And that's what I'm talking about. So, we think about, well, how, how does focusing on that Jesus may come someday help us today? I read one man put it this way. Not by setting dates for the rapture or making predictions about a new world order or by trying to pin the tail on the Antichrist. This is somebody else's words, not mine. No focusing on the second coming of Christ helps motivate us to continue confidently, view ourselves accurately, and conduct our lives correctly. This is how the return of Jesus is relevant to our lives today, regardless of whether He comes again next week or another hundred years. confident, live true to who we are, and that we would conduct our lives right. That we, as an end time saint, would live in expectation that the day of God could be any moment. Brian Freen Assurance sings a song that I've always loved. phrases in it is, where would you be if Jesus came back five minutes ago? Where would you be if Jesus came back five minutes ago? We gotta have that mindset. I've been listening and reading through the Left Behind series.
I pray that you'd build an expectation. Let's let that expectation. We've been hearing it. We've been hearing it. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And here's the truth of the matter. No matter what, a very well-known preacher that has preached post-tribulation all his life, last year went in the pre-tribulation because COVID took him out and he died because any day Jesus can come back and we need to live in such a way that we do not want to miss 